Welcome to the Speaking of Math podcast, episode number 76 by Door to Math. This podcast is devoted to all things math education and how parents can be a positive factor in their kids' math learning. Math is the gateway to many professional careers as well as confidence and personal growth. Find more information at www.doortomathwith2.com or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Tucson Math Doc. So let's get on with the topic of the day, math attitude. All right, when it comes to core emotion, outside the surprise and disgust, the experts tells us it's really just the four. It ends with these, sad, mad, glad, and scared. I use those four to help navigate our students when it comes to math attitude math attitude um i kind of see what it is what exactly are you talking about all right outside of glad which we can all relate so let's talk about sad attitude sad is i am no good with this i just feel so dumb i mean you can just rips your heart out hearing a kid to say i am dumb so the kid is really sad all right so math attitude is when a your child comes home with or our child comes home with some sort of very strong emotion and it has to do with math and they're on the verge of quote-unquote irrational. Pretty much. If we were to look up the definition for attitude. All right, let's look up attitude. Okay, Google, what's the definition of attitude? Attitude, a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. So, attitude is a consistent change in behavior of a child. Consistent thought pattern that seeped into the behavior, I think. That to me, anyway. All right. That makes sense. So, I have a math kid with attitude or a kid that's taking math, and then behavior has changed. I'm concerned. Yes. The second one that I see a lot in the office is uh, math mad. Uh, they show up as in, I just don't care. Sometimes colorful language is substituting in there, or the kid say, hey, it's my choice. I don't have to do math if I don't want to. So I classify that into the mad category. So when a kid comes in mad to your office, you just tell him to be quiet and not be so angry? Oh dear, no. I think that's a really a, a cry for help in a way. Now kids, you have to think their brain is not quite all the way they're mature, right? So there's not a lot of filter. In a way, by sharing their strong emotion, they give us an opening actually to help them. So it's communication that they're trying to get across to us. Yes. And the third most often one I see is, I will get to it later and then they never get to it. To me, that's a scared. So mad, sad, scared. All right, uh, I see my son procrastinating once in a while when things he doesn't want to do or they're challenging for him, and I see some fear in him in that case. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it from a child perspective, when a child experiences the sad and mad and scared really strong, they don't have a lot of ways to filter them. I mean, golly, sometimes I don't even have a good way to filter them. So take for the child who is scared, right? I'll get to it later, but procrastinated forever. So this kid is really treating a short-term benefit for a long-term consequence. Short-term-wise, yes, you don't have to face something you're scared of, right? You have less energy, 
um, at the same time a little less obligation because you didn't really have to do it right away. But long-term consequences more pronounced, right? You have a lower concentration because if you keep on procrastinating, that part of a muscle never gets stronger. Also, you have probably turned into a couch potato because you know if you want to do don't want to do this thing that's you scared, you end up doing something like uh, maybe video games or a couch potato watching TV instead, right? All right. So uh, my first instinct is if a child is scared, and my first thought is, oh, let them work through it themselves. They they'll get stronger if they work through it themselves. There are kids uh, that do get stronger, but I think we as parents, especially the moms that come to the office, always say, what are the, some nudging things? We'll call them nudging because you don't really want to yank or drag or push a kid, right? Then your relationship gets tarnished and break sometimes even. But if you can find a polite way nudging them until they can catch on their own, that I think that's, that's uh, the best compromise. All right, so we have uh, mad, sad, scared. And I remember a really brave girl that came into your office once, and I think she had all three of those. Yeah, that's one of my, um, that warms my heart. My, my heart swells up whenever I think of uh, her name. Let's call her Amy. So Amy came in with strong, sad, mad, and scared emotion. So the first thing at the beginning of our session, you know, I remember of an hour, lecture time it's usually 55 minutes just to get her emotion out it's that bad of experience she's had with math sometimes she would cry sometimes she would curse at the teacher and sometimes she literally just say i can't get myself to even open a math textbook right that's just when she came to yeah i remember what was special about her she was very expressive and she was able to express her feelings and that she was able to get help that way. Yes, fast forward, this kid's transformation was absolutely remarkable. By the time she's done with the program, she got herself not only past Algebra 2, she actually aced the Algebra 2 finals. You know, the transformation, that the amount of work she really put in there, it's absolutely heartwarming for me. All right, I'm very curious as a parent, because I'm sure it's going to happen to us over and over again and probably to those listening, um, what are the steps, what were the steps to her transformation so I can take notes as a parent? Yeah, I remember the first time when I saw she had a both, um, well, actually the sad matter was more pronounced. The scared part has hidden quite a bit underneath. So the first thing I remember we did, uh, I had to read a lot of things. So one of the things that I eventually helped her is we had her taking a, a piece of paper out. We had her recounted all the experience, not in her head, not verbally, but actually just put on a piece of paper. And then we crumbled, crumbled the piece of paper. And I remember at the beginning, we had to toss the piece of paper, like crumble four or five times, sometimes even more than that in the lecture, right? So what happens is that if she put all the negative words and uh, hurt feelings and tears on a piece of paper there was a physical evidence of her emotion emotion is stored in her body cells right once we put on a piece of paper physically crumble it that released some of those um holding the energy holding on her all right i think i can do that i think i can have my kids crumble pieces of paper. Uh, that doesn't seem to be too hard. No, it was not hard. As a, as a matter of fact, by the fourth or fifth time, she started a little smile because she can see after you repeated this story four or five times, she goes, 
uh, you know, this is kind of silly. Why am I getting mad because this teacher said I am dumb? You know, her case was really extreme, but but what I gathered, what I learned from my student Amy is this, uh, a kid who has a strong emotion, uh, at the same time, they have a strong life force as well, right? Because they feel intensely and tapping into that intensity on the positive end is what we helped her to drag her so out. So a good way is to take advantage of the strong emotion for their benefit. Yes, yes. So a key thing is that she, you know, when she looks back, she said what the, the crumbling part was really helpful because I, I don't want to interrupt her putting all the negative stuff out in her emotion. So kind of like empty the cup, right? Once you empty the cup, you can pour something healthier in there. All right, so we've emptied the cup with crumbling the paper. What can I, as a parent, what's the next step for me? Second step I think was remarkable is that somewhere along the way she says, okay, I'm tired of not knowing math. That's a cue to me to say, all right, teach me something, right? At the beginning, she was pretty far behind because of this traumatic experience she had at school. So in her mind, she thought she can actually put two hours work in. But because of the trauma and she had to go through, I didn't think it was realistic. So I said, you know what, give me a time you can absolutely promise. Uh, what I was going after is say what you do and do what you say because that gave her positive feedback. So realistically, she was really able to do 20 minutes even though it was two-hour homework that she was facing, right? I would rather take that 20 minutes, I told her, because that 20 minutes is a positive interaction. That two-hour, because she was scared, mad, and sad, it's not going to happen, right? 20 minutes of positive work uh, fits a trip any day to our work that she wanted to do but never get there. I might not be able to teach algebra two concepts to my son or daughter, but I think I am able to say, okay, if you can do 10 minutes, do 10 minutes, but make sure you get those done and let me know. Yes. I think any sort of positive engagement and get the child to have the accountability, say what you do and do what you say. Once you have that comes in, then little by little, the positive change will take place. All right, so we got it split up into time chunks. We're chugging along, and one. Uh, what do I do for the next step? The next thing that was really important and remarkable for Amy is that um, she wanted to get a good grades because I think kids innately do want to impress the parents, you know, however far behind they are, they just kind of lost their hope. So find a way to install that hope. Uh, so what I talked to, to Amy's mom is this, the grades probably are not going to come up right away, but here's what's more important. If Amy says I can get to 66 and she actually got 66, I want a really big, huge celebration because in her uh, world, her reality internally is matching what's happening on outside. When the internal reality matches outside, that's when you got the kid. When That's when the recovery actually uh, got above the water. The kid is actually breathing is what I'm saying. Okay, uh, I think I'm getting the essence of that third step is find a milestone, a reasonable milestone, and then celebrate it. And then no matter where you're at on that. Yeah, celebrate progress, celebrate uh, process, celebrate uh, the effort put in. If you celebrate only outcome, sometimes outcome is too far and the kids lose, lose the hope. So maybe even celebrate that we can consistently do 10-minute chunks for a week. 
Yes, whatever uh, the intermediate step. I mean, it's all those tiny steps that eventually leads to the outcome we wanted. But in between those tiny little steps, it takes a lot of effort. All right, so we and we celebrate the milestones. And after that, what did Amy do? Amy, once she can consistently hit what she thinks she's getting on the score within plus minus three points, at there, I remember that day when she comes in and she says, all right, I'm tired of getting 66. I want to get to 80. What do I have to do? That's such a big, huge invitation and speak volume of her upbringing, you know, that guts and that grit. Pride gauged in, kicked in, and that grit that she has, the life force that I saw, you know, the positive emotion also, it started getting to the gear. All right, so desire to learn sounds like the last step when they go through all the steps they feel they can do it and they want to achieve more. It's internal desire. You know, she was not doing it to um, prove someone wrong. She is more like, okay, I know I can do more. That's such a big, huge day yeah, in her math career. That, that's important to any kid, and that's just not in math. That can be applied to just about anything a kid wants to do. Well, I always think, yeah, you're right on. I always think of math is just a tool, right? It's a tool to have the kid to have the freedom to choose down the road for their career, for their passion, to have the freedom to be. So from something negative, we can make something positive. Yes. And for her to be able to say, hey, I did that. I can do it again. Just because this one task is hard doesn't mean that I can't do it because I have something I can relate back to that's successful. All right. Let's summarize. In this podcast, we talked about math attitude. Our child comes in with a bad math attitude. Parents can panic and be scared. There is a four-step process to help. First step, write down the negative emotions, crumble them on a piece of paper. Second step, split the work into time chunks. Third step, celebrate every accomplishment and achievement. And fourth step, when the child wants to learn. That's pretty good. I think in the end, you know, it's a such a misconception that you have to know math to help your kid. I believe 90% of what we can do as a parent to help our kids has nothing to do with math. It's find a way to engage their internal curiosity, protect that curiosity, and create an environment where kids can thrive. Until next time. Happy parenting.